theyeshiva.net. Okay, good morning, everybody. Thank you for gracing us with your presence. What a morning and today's learning and all of the learning these days. We want to uh, dedicate for our brothers and sisters in Eretz Yisrael in the Holy Land for security and safety and protection. So in the Maimer, we are in the middle of Lakutit Torah, the Maimer Kisavoyu Allah Aretz, Vishavsa Aretz Shabbos Lashem from Parshas Bahar, which is also a, uh, I think, a Shvuazdika Maimer in the sense that it's a major part of the Maimer, really, a huge part of the Maimer really focuses on what Torah is and what learning Torah is, and how a Jew should learn Torah, and the relationship between the Torah above and the Torah below, the relationship between the earth and the seed and the fruit, the three aspects of Torah, the Torah's source in God's infinite wisdom, and then the way the Torah is experienced in Ganeidin, in the higher spiritual realms, where they experience the radiance of the Shina in Torah, experience the Torah as a a powerful manifestation of divine pleasure. And then there's the way the Torah is down here in this world, where it could be perceived superficially as simply a, a slew of technical, intricate laws, even with fantastic logic and a lot of intellectual, uh, beautiful ideas and, and depth and and creativity, and comparisons which require dissection, and analysis, and tremendous knowledge, and deep, meticulous penetration, keen, keen penetration into the words and into the concepts, and all the different methods and formulas of Torah study that have developed throughout the generations, both those who were more into Pekias, which is just the knowledge of the more basic texts, and and, and, and Amkus going further into the depth. But the common denominator is that the Torah, the way it's perceived by us down here in this world, is, in, for the most part, the Torah of Nigla, the revealed part, is very tangible, very concrete, dealing mostly with physical, physical matter, physical items, as he gave the examples of Sukkot, Tzitzit, Tfilin, and certainly many parts of it that deal with litigations and and monetary issues, and civil disputes, and civil law, whether it's between custodians and the people who gave things to the custodians, or between borrowers and lenders, <coughs> between um, <coughs> various uh, damages that are done from one person to another person, or one person's animal to another person's animal, issues that have to do with theft, uh, disputations between partners, between between ears, between spouses, etc., etc., all of the various sugyas that deal with physical matter or physical disputes between people. That's like the seed, the seed, which contains within it the DNA. The DNA of the seed has within it everything that's going to be in the fruit, but it's not revealed. It's all condensed, it's all concealed, it's all there, but you have to have the eye for it. When you plant the seed into the earth, the Alter Rebbe says, now you have the fruit. When you align the Torah down here with the Torah up there, 
Somebody says, I only have Torah, he doesn't even have Torah. As the Altareb explained at length, then you have the fruit, which is the revelation of the Torah, the way it is in, in Gan Eden. This was the long discussion in chapter 2. And then chapter 3, he spoke about making it one with the person. And that has to do with tefillah. And that's why we learn after davening, because in tefillah, the person really develops that oneness, that commitment to oneness, that, that bittel of tefillah, and that oneness between the person and Hashem during tefillah becomes the preparation for the learning afterwards, that it should be Talmudai biyadai, that the Talmud, the Talmud, you come Ashri Misha Bolakan with Talmud Abiyadi as he explained at length what that means. This was all the concept of planting. You remember? The whole process of the Maimer began about Rayasi. God says, You're my shepherd, you sustain me. If you didn't hear the previous parts of the Maimer, it's important to listen to them, replay them. You could do that later, double speed if you need to or 1.5, or double speed, whatever works for you. I always say double speed was created for my shiur, for my shiur. It says, so double speed was created for my shiur, so people should be able to do them faster, because a lot of them are long, unfortunately or fortunately. Whatever, however will you look at it. I know that the Bezriel doesn't like when I say it, because he says that learning chassidus is like listening to music, and the worst thing to do for music is Put it on double speed. You don't put music on double speed because it's not about the information, the data. It's about the experience of the Ein Seif. Okay? Depends where a person is in life. So the bottom line is that we started, so the whole Maimah was discussing Achosi and Rayosi. Hashem says, you're my shepherd. Shepherd is that you sustain me, so to speak. Which, like, when something sustains us, the food becomes part of me. The question is how the neshama could become one with him, and he said, through Torah. But the Torah is also physical. So he says, yeah, but when the Torah becomes you, the Torah becomes part of you, then you can become part of Hashem. But the Torah is also physical. So how does the Torah make you one? And this is why he went into the whole idea of Torah, but he said we have to discuss the four levels of labor in the processing of bread, in order to make the bread edible, which is planting and then grinding and then kneading and then baking. And as long as I don't go through these four stages, the bread can't be edible. You can't eat dough, you can't eat flour, and you don't eat something that was just planted. I mean, you can eat it, but it's not the bread. The bread, lechem, the full meal, is only after the baking, after the four processes. And the marshal for that is that the Torah has to be planted and grinded, and kneaded, and baked, and then it becomes edible bread that you can digest. And it's converted part of the, it's converted into your bloodstream, in other words, it becomes part of you. So the Torah becomes part of you, and since the Torah is one with Hashem, as we discussed about planting, so therefore the person becomes one. So now he gets to the next step. Avaidas Hatchina. Avaidas, so we are on page, page 80, Page 80 in the Maimer, or if you want, Mem, column 3. It's chapter 3, chapter Gimel. Close to the bottom of the page, first column, the line begins, Mesiris Nefesh, Ubitl Hanal, V'talmud Gamken Hanal. 
If you see Siv Gimel, you go down 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 lines. The line starts, Mesiris Nefesh. And we're holding by the words, Vavaydas Atchina, Vavaydas Hashem. We discussed what planting is in Avedis Hashem. I have a seed. I put it in the earth. I align the seed with the source of vegetation. The seed has to be covered in the earth, eclipsed. The seed has to decompose. The seed becomes part of the earth. And then the miracle of vegetation and produce happens. What is that? Planting the Torah in the source of Torah, planting the Torah, realizing that it's Devar Hashem Zu Allah, I'm talking the words of Hashem when I'm learning Torah. It's divine infinity conveyed and manifested through these physical, technical halachas or concepts in Torah. In the person as well, you connect yourself, you align yourself with the source, with the Kayachat Semeach. And that's why Ganeidin is a result of our Avaid. It's not a separate world. It's basically seeing what there is in the seed. Seeing what you planted. It's seeing what's contained in the seed. It's the revelation of what is happening right now, right here. But planting is not the end of the game. It's the beginning of the game. So you planted, you plowed, you planted, it grew, you harvested, but it's not enough. Avaida satchina. You have a kernel now, you need to grind it. What is the grinding? This is humility. A humble heart. Lev nishbar v'nitke literally is a translation of, is a pasuk from Tehillim. Lev nishbar v'nitke aleikim sivzem. Many people say it in Kriyash Vashal Amita. Tehillim chapter 51. A broken and crushed heart, God, you don't scorn. The concept is a humble heart, a vulnerable heart. The word vinitka is an, is an expression that is already used in Parshas Baalaischa about what the Jews did with the man. They crushed it in a crusher. The man, they crushed in a crusher, meducha. That's similar to grinding. You basically have to grind. And crumble, mefarer is when you take something and you turn it into crumbs, tiny, tiny particles, until it becomes thin and you have particles of flour. Like it says by the Ketoris, in Parshas Kisisa, They took the herbs of the, of the Ketoris, the herbs that they prepared for the incense, the burning of the incense, every morning and afternoon in the Beis Hamikdash, and those herbs were grinded and they were grinded well. We say, like we say in the morning in the Karbonis, and we say, right, every day the herbs had to be crushed. Every Kteris. And that took, the, the aroma was much more powerful. Then it says, you would grind them again, it should be the thin, very thin, within thinness. So lev nitke, what does lev nitke mean? This is an unbelievable translation. Usually people translate lev nitke, but nitke means a broken heart and a crushed heart. In other words, I crush your heart, or you crush your own heart. Is that really a desirable thing? That can be very misunderstood. I want to break your heart, I want to make you feel horrible about yourself. 
That's not what Yiddishkeit wants. That's not what the Alter Rebbe is telling us. He's teaching us here what Nitka means. It's like what they did to the man. It's like what they did to the Ketoris. They took it apart. They dissected it. That's what it really means. It's the honesty. It's taking something apart. All arrogance is based on ignorance. Somebody wise once said, all envy is ignorance. All jealousy is based on ignorance. It's seeing things from a very, very narrow point of view. Here we're learning the same thing about arrogance. Arrogance is based on ignorance. It's the real vulnerability to be able to be ready to take myself apart. How many of us are ready? (laughs) Are ready for that? I don't mean just, you know, cliches. Yeah, I'm ready for taking... But really, am I ready for somebody to take me apart? Honestly, earnest? Am I ready for me to take myself apart? Take myself apart means to be really, really vulnerable, to look at everything. Not to run away. Not to shut my eyes. That's how the Alter Rebbe says nitke. Nitke means you take something and you grind it. You grind the, the, the kernel into flour. It's one entity, but suddenly you grind it and you see every particle separate. Everything that's inside comes to the fore because you dissected it. As long as you don't dissect something, you only see the superficial part of it. When you dissect something, you get to see it from all aspects. You get to see even the tiniest part of it. And that's what they did to the Ketiris. In order for the Ketiris to become Ketiris, to become an incense, to become a beautiful aroma, there had to be, V'shoycha kan yafa yafa, Kach lechasamim, V'asisa yisaktoiris, V'shachakta mimena hadek. We say this every morning, V'shachakta mimena hadek. You grind the herbs, hadek means you crush it. You crush those herbs, and only then does it become k'tairis. This is what grinding in Avedis Hashem is. It's the vulnerability that comes from my ability to really, really look into myself without defenses, without mechanisms that want to protect me from truth. Am I really ready to go into a grinder? (laughs) And this is a very, very deep process. This is a very deep process, an incredible process. This is what Tchina is in Avaidah Hashem. There's no room, there's no room here for, for vanity, for fakeness, for haughtiness, for arrogance. It's, it's really allowing myself to be, to, 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 to be dissected. And such people are capable of tremendous growth because they could examine themselves. They could see what's happening. They can make a real honest reckoning of who I am and whom I'm, whom I'm not. But it's not easy. It's not easy, especially when it's done by somebody else. Yeah. Lev Nishbar Venitke is a Pasik from Tehillim chapter 51. Tehillim Perikon Aleph. It's the chapter that David HaMelech says and composes after his confession about his mistakes with Bathsheba. Lam Natseach Mizmer LeDavid B'voy Elov Nosan Hanovi Kasher Bo El Bathsheba. It's the psalm that David wrote and said, it says, after Nasan Hanavi came to him to rebuke him and chastise him after his relationship with Bathsheba. So that's where he says, In many, many communities, it's a chapter that said, by Kriyashmasha, before going to sleep. Chapter 51 of Tehillim. Kapitel Manalaf. Yeah, Leiv Nishba Vanitka without the Rebbe saying is not you break somebody that you just feel depressed and horrible. You feel a bro- like a broken person. What, what's that going to do? Broken people can't serve Hashem. 
<laughs> broken people are broken. Lev nishba v'nitka means the courage to be able to break apart, <laughs> to to be able to grind, to be able to really look at every piece, or to put it to put it differently the way you put it in the beginning of the Maimer, it's to break through the shell. It's to create an opening, lev nishbar. If there's a thick wall or a facade, I want to create a, a, an opening, a breach, so that the light should come in. That's a very different idea. So instead of breaking yourself, you're actually opening yourself. Now that means I get broken. My facade gets broken. Yes. My klipa gets broken. Yes. The husk gets broken. There's no way of getting to the walnut if you don't break the shell. You gotta crack the shell. You gotta get a nutcracker. And sometimes it's a thick shell. You have eight walnuts. Right? You remember? Sometimes it's an orange. You know, you peel it nicely. Sometimes it's a banana. Everybody has their own shells, their own husks. That's called klipa. Klipa means, I don't break the klipa because I like breaking things. I want access to the fruit. I want access to your fruit. So I want to break through all the facades. You want a technique of doing this? Get married. Get married and listen to your spouse. That's the first technique that God created. The next technique is call your mother-in-law every night before you go to sleep and ask her her opinion about you. I'm just joking a little bit, but you get the point. Yes? Not break yourself. Chas v'shalem to break yourself. Reb Zalman, don't break yourself. Especially not a beautiful young man as yourself. I want to open myself up. I want to open myself up so if there's blockages that are blocking it, I want to break through the blockages. It's like when you excavate, you got to break the ground in order to get to the bottom of it. You want to get the jewels out. So I have to sometimes confront all the blockages. Yeah, and I got to take myself apart. There's nishbur and there's nitka. Nishbur is break through the blockages, and nitka is really dissect what's happening and have the ability to be able to grind, to go into the grind, to be able to take things apart and be able to see who I am in a very honest and earnest way. It'll be, it'll be more clear. It'll be more clear. Let's see. This is also connected to Torah. We're talking about Torah. Because by Torah it says, Gersa Nafshi, in Tehillim, Kufyutes, chapter 119, which is David HaMelech's ecstatic song about Torah. Lulei Torascha Shashuei, Lulei Torascha Ozavadati Ba'anyi. He says, if not for the Torah being my source of pleasure, I would have been lost in my pain, in my poverty. So over there he gives an expression, Gersa Nafshi. What is Gersa Nafshi? My soul learned. Yeah, it's a beautiful expression in Tehillim. Garsa nafshi l'savo mishpatecha. This is Tehillim. Kufyutes pasuk chaf. To re- to read to read to you, I'm just I'm looking at Safaria to see how they translate it into uh, into English. So David Amalek says, Garsa nafshi l'savo mishpatecha b'chaleis. My soul is consumed with longing. 
My soul is consumed with longing for your rules at all times. Interesting. Garsa nafshi. So Rashi says, Garsa is crushed. My soul breaks because it's longing for your mishpatim. That's what Rashi says. My soul breaks. It's, it's, it's broken. It's consumed. It's completely invested and preoccupied in craving to your mishpatim, to your, to, to your statues, to your learning. The Ebenezer Osa says, Garsa is broken, crushed. Mitzudas David, Garsa nafshi, nishbira meirev ta'avasa b'chaleis mishpatacha. My soul is again crushed and broken. It's so consumed in longing to your rules at all times. It's it's a fascinating, fascinating pasuk in 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 Kufiyotes. Says the Alter Rebbe. So we see ah Kufiyotes verse twenty pasuk Chaf Tehillim one nineteen verse twenty. Says the Alter Rebbe by learning it also says Garsanav Shivigam Loshen Hagemare Garsinon. The expression of the Gemara is Garsinon. We have learnt Milashin Rechayim Shal Grusais, which is an expression in Menachas, Daf Samach Vav, Rechayim Shal Grusais. It speaks about the carbon oimer. They took the barley kernels and they grinded the barley, the bar, b- barley kernels and they put them in mills, which crushed the kernels until it made them flour. It turned them into flour, and that was used for the carbon oimer, which we spoke about at length in the Maimur of Svartim Lachem that we learned before this in the beginning of Sphiris Oimer. So learning is called girsa, right? You say girsa is called learning. Gersinon is a famous expression. We learned. Why? Because real learning is you have to break apart the material. You got to dissect the material. If not, it's not learning. There's a question, there's an answer. Sometimes people learn and they deceive themselves. They don't get it. They don't understand the question. They don't understand the answer. They don't understand the proof. They don't understand the refutation. When you're learning, you're basically sitting with a mill and you have to grind everything apart. What did you say? What is the Mish- What does the Pasuk say? What does the Mishnah say? How does the Mishnah understand the Pasuk? What does Rashi say on the Mishnah? What's the question of the Gemara? What's the Gemara's explanation? You have to take it apart. You have to dissect it. Dr. Rebbe says that's why learning is called Garsinon. It's a process of taking things apart. It's a process of grinding. Rechayim shall grusos. It's the mill. Rechayim is a mill that crushes the kernel and turns it into particles of flour. And this is also spiritually, the Alter Rebbe says. Real learning has to be done with humility. That's why learning is called garsinon, girsa. Why? Because real learning is not just dissecting the material intellectually, analytically, with your mind in a cerebral fashion. Real learning Torah must be done with the human humility. The ability for me to be taken apart. The ability for me to get out of my shell, to get out of my arrogance, my haughtiness. The ability for me to be very, very vulnerable, to be very humble. Which is what happens when you when you take yourself apart. I don't take myself so seriously. My ego is not large. My ego has been crushed into little pieces. In other words, there's a very deep bittle inside of me. That's how you learn. After you needed, now, after you grinded, now you need. What's need? You place water onto the flour, and this connects 
all the particles of the flour to become one entity and one single dough. As long as there's no water, the particles of flour are distinct from each other. Even though they may be in one pile, in one sack of flour, in one bag. But nonetheless, there are distinct particles. You pour in water, and what happens? And suddenly, from, what do we say on the dollar? Ipluburus unum. From many, you have one. From many particles of flour, you have one dough. That's what kneading is. And then you knead the dough, but it's already isa achas. Says Dal Tirebbe, what is this in Avaidis Hashem? And in learning, the Kach Tzorich Loyedis Sa'ava. The Dov Kabayis Barich Valis Mashal Hacherov Kemayim Shalayib Abkhinis Pirut Chaspashal. And this is the idea of a person arousing the inner love to connect to Hashem and to be drawn after Him like water, like we say in the Tfilis about Avram Avinu. Schoir, this is in Tal. Schoir, Av nimshech acharecha geshem. Schoir av nimshech acharecha kamayim. Remember the father who was drawn after you like water. He flowed after you like water. Not to be in a separate place. Not to be separate. So what is needing in Avaidus Hashem? What is needing in Taina? There's a sense of ava, a sense of connection. In other words, I pour water into the flower. It's not enough that I just can take myself apart. I'm a humble person. I'm a vulnerable person. That's step one. But step two is now pour water into that. And water is a cohesive substance. It's something that takes the particles of flour and brings them together. And that's what love does. Love is the connection. It connects two people. We're not separate. We're not two separate particles. We become a wave. Love turns a particle into a wave. And that's why with light and science, they're not sure if light is a particle or a wave. Scientific experiments have demonstrated that light is both a particle and a wave. It can behave as a particle, it can behave as a wave, it can behave as both simultaneously, it can behave as neither. And this is something that's startling and overwhelming for physicists. It's full of paradox. The truth is that love is what turns the particle into a wave. In other words, from being separate, we become one. So he says, fill your avodah Hashem with love. Pour water onto it. Be drawn to Him like water. And then, I'm not in a place of period. I'm not in a place of separateness. I'm in a place of connection. I long for connection. I want to be connected. This is the idea of needing. And that's why grinding always has to lead to needing. You don't just grind. Because grinding without needing could be misconstrued as just crushing, breaking. Then you're not going to be able to connect. People who are crushed can't love. There's nobody to love. I crushed you, I destroy you. Turn you into a shmati, you can't love anymore. The prerequisite for love is a sense of wholesomeness. Love your fellow like you love yourself. If I hate myself and I loathe myself and I think I'm the biggest piece of garbage in the world and I can't love somebody else. The idea of love is that we actually connect two things, really connect in a meaningful way. If love is basically about escaping my own pain because I hate myself and therefore I'm going to find refuge in your love, then it's going to be dysfunctional. There's going to be a lot of codependence over there because basically I'm living vicariously through you. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's important. I'm living vicariously through you. So that the love needs to come from a place of wholesomeness. So after the grinding, how do we know it's real grinding? 
There could be grinding that crushes you. No, that's not good. Lev Nishbar means it opens you. Nitke means it takes you apart to the point of honesty and vulnerability. And therefore it leads to the next step, which is kneading. Kneading is you bring in the Ava component. And the Ava component is the water which connects us. And now the various pieces of particles, the particles of flour become a cohesive, integrated dough. And you can't, you can't reverse it. Try to turn dough back into flour. You ever tried? <laughs> Once you put in the water, it becomes a new metzius. In the, in the language of the Rambam, there's something called Harkov Shchenis and Harkov Mizgis. There's like neighbors living together. And then there is, when there is an actually transformation in the substance, where the two become one. Particles of flour are like neighbors. They live near each other. They're next door neighbors. A dough is not na- neighbor. It's not neighbors. It's one entity. It's one, it's one entity. It's a holistic entity. This is called Harkava Mizgis. So therefore, from kneading, after grinding, you have kneading. Now comes Upchina Safiya. You still can't eat. You still can't eat. You still can't eat it. You don't eat dough. We're getting there, but you can't eat it. You can't eat the Torah yet. What is kneading in Torah? The Ava. The Ava Sashem in Torah. Now we come to the baking. Ah, you planted, Chevre. You planted. You grinded. You kneaded. Now you gotta bake. What's baking? Says Dal It's basically similar to what the Pasuk says in Vayikra. Vichisikrav, carbon, mincha, mafe, tanor. When you want to offer to Hashem an offering, a meal offering, known as a mincha, which is a flour offering, ma'afetanah, baked, baked in an oven. And that's one of the five types of menachis, of meal offerings that the Torah discusses in Parshas Vayikra and later in Parshas Tzav about how they brought meal offerings to the Beis HaMikdash. Says the Alter Rebbe, Ksiv, Sikrev Yud. It says, Sof Kuf Reish Vav without a Yud. So when you read the Tzefet Torah, we, trans- we read it as, we pronounce it, V'chisakriv karben mincha mafetanar. We say V'chisakriv, meaning when you want to be makriv, when you want to bring a carbon. But because there's no vowels in the Tzefet Torah, and there's no yud, you can also read it differently. You can read V'chisikrav. Not V'chisakriv, but V'chisikrav. V'yesh eim lemesayrus. Chazal tell us, that at least according to one opinion, there's prominence to the way things are written over the way they're pronounced. Which means many words in Chumash are written in one way and they could be pronounced in different ways. Okay? So for example, here is a case. It says, V'chisakriv karben mincha mafetana. When you want to bring a meal offering. But it's not written with a you. It doesn't say saf. Kuf reish yudves, it's of kuf reishves. So, in terms of pronunciation, if I wouldn't have a tradition of how to pronounce it, if I'm reading this pasuk, I can also read it v'chi sikrav. When you want to come close, sakriv means when you want to bring something else close. You want to bring the meal offering as a carbon. That's sakriv. Sikrav is when you want to become close. So the Alter Rebbe says in Gemara in Kedushin Daf Yitches. And in Sukkot, Avav, and in many other places in Gemara, there's a famous argument. Yesh aim le or yesh aim le mikra. Do we give prominence to the way a word is written, 
or the way a word is pronounced. Mesiris is the tradition of how it's written in a Sefer Torah. Mikra is the way it's pronounced. So there are opinions in Gemara that yesh em lemesiris. The primary focus has to be on the way it's written, not on the way it's pronounced. Because it could be pronounced in a different way than necessarily how it's written. Because when it's written without Nekundis, you could pronounce it a different way. So the Alter Rebbe says it was intentionally that way. If Hashem had Moshe Rabbeinu write down a word in the Sefer Torah that could be written one way, and then you have to know how to pronounce it, but it could also be pronounced in different ways, it means that those alternative explanations are also very important. That's part of the infinite brilliance of Torah, that every possible way in which I could pronounce the word has meaning, even if I don't read it that way in Kriya Satira. So the Alter Rebbe says here, these these words can also be read as v'chi, not sakriv, but v'chi sikrav, which is why there's no yud. If you want to become close, the hainukshan nefesh roitzel is sakriv ba'atzmal Hashem, when the soul wants to get close to Hashem, she herself, as I tiyeh b'pchines mafetanor, then you have to allow yourself to be baked in the oven, spiritually speaking. There is the concept of v'chi sakriv when you want to bring a meal offering that's baked. But here we're saying v'chi sikrav when you want to get close, when the soul wants to get close. It's similar to Alter Rebbe's interpretation in the beginning of Ayikra. Adam kiyakriv mikem karban lashem. Should have said adam mikem kiyakriv. And he says adam kiyakriv mikem karban. When you want to bring a carbon, it has to be mikem from me. So he says, when you want to get close, then the Torah says, v'chisikrav, when you want to get close to Hashem, mafetanor, then I have to learn how to experience the concept of baking in an oven. What does this mean? What does this mean? This is similar to what it says in the next parasha, in the curses. V'afu eser nashim lachmechem betanor echad. Leviticus 26-26 Ten women will bake your bread in one oven. Usually it's translated as a curse. That basically, ten women are going to bake bread in one oven. Why? There's going to be a shortage of wood. So therefore, they won't be able to have ten ovens. Everybody's going to have to use one oven because they have so little fire. And they're going to bake their bread in one oven. But as we know, as the Alter Rebbe says in the Torah and the Maimer on this Pasuk, he says that all of the curses in Chumash, in Torah, based on a Gemara in Mayit Katan, really on a deeper level are blessings. But they're so infinite that the way they're perceived down here in our language, they come out as curses. So he says, Pirush, the real meaning is, the deeper meaning is, Ten women baking their bread in one oven, Tanur Echad means that I arouse in my heart a fire of love because I experience Echad, because I experience oneness. Because of the truth, the infinite truth of Hashem who fills all the worlds and encompasses all the worlds and whose presence, in whose presence everything else is non-existent, everything is just an aspect and an extension of Hashem's infinity. There's no separateness. Kula everything in His presence. Kaloi chashiv mamash. 
is like Loi Choshev and has no, there's nothing that can block the infinite oneness of Hashem. Everything is subsumed in that oneness and nothing else occupies any space or any significance besides Hashem. So when a person really experiences this echad, Asher al the result is, he becomes like an oven on fire. My soul is on fire, like a glowing oven with a powerful flame. With the longing to look at the glory of the king. Experiencing that echod with his battle koyecha nefesh memuhusavatz musa. And what that does is, it causes the whole power, the personality of the soul to become subsumed and to go out of its essence and its core, ba'ava aza, with an intense love. It's a love far deeper than just the love to be connected to you because I want to quench my thirsty soul, which is the water-like love. There is water-like love and fire-like love. And he explains, Fire and water physically are two opposites. Water by nature has the ability, the capacity to be cohesive, to connect things. What does fire do naturally? Fire takes things apart. Fire dissects things and it separates them. It crumbles them and it separates the elements. As we know, when you put something in fire, the elements all get separated. The element of water goes out in the smoke. And of course the fire, the element of fire goes up in the fire. And the element of earth becomes the ashes that scattered all over the place. When you put something in fire, what do you expect a few minutes later? It gets completely broken apart. There's nothing left. Water is something that when you apply something to water, like we learned before with the flower, you pour water onto the flower and what happens? It connects the pieces. Right? We use our saliva, we use water as an adhesion, an adhesion, something that, that brings things together, that connects things together. He says the nature of water is mitzarif or machaber. It connects. The nature of fire is the exact opposite. You put something in fire and it gets broken apart completely. Not just into pieces. Then every single piece on its own gets completely broken apart and it turns into ashes. All the parts get dissected and every component in chemistry, every component of it goes up in the flame in a different aspect, a different dimension of it goes up in a different aspect of the flame. There's that which goes with the fire and that which goes up with the smoke. Basically, there's Eish, Ruach, Mayim, Offer. The Ruach goes up with the smoke and the Eish goes up with the Eish and the Mayim goes up in the smoke and the Offer goes into the ashes. Everything now falls apart and there's nothing left of the original original form of this reality. It's completely destroyed. So he says there's two types of love. There's a love like water and there's a love like fire. The love that's like fire is actually very different and opposite from the love that's like water. The love of water is, I want to connect. I want my soul to be connected to Hashem. 
the love of fire, it's the love that actually it actually separates the koiches nefesh, the faculties of the soul, from their core meaning. The soul just wants to melt away in the bosom of its father, in the infinite light of Hashem. Blessed be He, Mamash. In other words, there's Ava Kamayim and Ava Kaesh. Ava Kamayim, love like water. What's my yearning? What is my ambition? I want to connect to you. I want to be connected to you. Love like fire is, I want to be subsumed in you. It's two states of love. There is the longing to find yourself in God. And there is the longing to lose yourself in God. Both are incredibly meaningful. There's the desire, I want to be one with you. And then there's desire, I don't want to be. To be or to be not, that is the question. Love of water is the love to be. I want to be with you. I want to be aligned with you. I want to be connected with you. Love like fire is, I want to cease to be. So the Altarebbe says there's two states. Ava Kamayim is, I want to be with you. I want to hang out with you. I want to enjoy you, and I want you to enjoy me. That's amazing. Ava Kaesh is, I want to cease to be. I don't want it to be an I outside of you. So in Hashem's relationship with Hashem, Ava Kamayim is, I want a relationship. I want to be present in that relationship. Ava Kaesh is, I want to become your breath. I want to cease to be. And that's the idea of Mayim and Eish. Because Mayim brings it together. And Eish takes whatever is and dissects it completely until it ceases to be. Until it's gone. It's completely consumed in the fire. An Avaka Eish is, I want to lose myself in you. I don't want to be any separation, even the separation of me experiencing you. I want to be completely lost. I want to go out of my Metzius. So the Alter Rebbe says as follows. Lisha needing, we spoke about, is Avakamayim. It's pouring the water onto the flower. And then it becomes one dough. Tveikas, there's no period. That's Kamayim. Now is a deeper state. You put it into the oven. This is Avakaish. You can only have avakaish after avakamayim. Because if you have avakaish before avakamayim again, it could be misconstrued in the forms of, I don't want to use the word abuse, but it's basically, again, it could come from the idea that I hate myself and I don't want to exist. And you're justifying my existence, which is really a form of, I'm just looking for, for legitimate, I'm looking to be legitimate by not being. This is talking about an avakaish that follows an avakamayim. After there's a deep sense of oneness and connection, now, I don't want to find myself in God anymore. I want to lose myself. I want to lose myself. We spoke once about the difference of Yehuda and Yosef in Torah, Er, Parshas, Vayigash. Yosef is Metzius. Yehuda is Bittel. Yosef is Talmud. Yehuda is Maisa. Similar idea. So here you have this concept. Sometimes I want a relationship, but ultimately I want to be there. I want to be there to experience it. I want to be there to eat the birthday cake, which is beautiful, it's amazing. But there's something deeper, and that's the fire. When you put something in fire, there's nothing left. There's nothing left. Everything is consumed. The Baal Shem Tov said, it says, Hashem is fire. Why is it called fire? 
So Moshe Rabbeinu said, with fire, either you stay away, but if you go into the fire, if you dip your hand into the fire, it's all-consuming. With water, it's not like that. You can go into the water, you go into the mikveh, you go into the beach, you go into the lake, into the river, into the pond, into the swimming pool, and you enjoy the water. You enjoy the water. You could put you get you can get your feet wet. One second, one second, wait, wait. You can get wait, wait, wait. You can get your feet wet and enjoy it. You can go under the water with with fire. That doesn't happen. I can't get my feet wet with fire. If I put my feet into the fire, oh yo 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 yo. If I put my hand into the fire, either you stay away or you're ready to go in completely and you're not there anymore. You're consumed. So the Baal Shem Tov said, Ki Hashem Hashem is fire, meaning there's a relationship. Sometimes I want a distance. I want to enjoy you. He says, yeah, you could stay far away from the fire and just look at the fire. But if you want to go into the fire, then you have to be ready to go in completely. Complete oneness. That's the concept of avaka Eish, because Eish doesn't leave room for anything else. Eish will destroy everything. It takes everything apart, separates it, and then it takes that thing itself and gets back, gets down to the core. And what's left? Just the ashes. So what happens? What happens here is, he says, the nefesh is nishpach. It gets completely consumed where there's no separateness whatsoever. That's the dveikus of Eish. So ten women will bake their bread in one oven. What's pshat? What's pshat? The Jew is called a woman, Hashem's wife. Ten represents the ten kaiches of the soul. So you take all the ten kaiches and you take the bread which is Torah, lechem, and you bake this bread in the fire of echad, betanur echad, the fire that comes from the awareness of echad. You remember the story I told you about the Alter Rebbe, the Chassid, who davened for 40 years with tremendous Tremendous zeal, and they asked him why, what's inspiring it? And he said that he heard from the Alter Rebbe 40 years ago, Zachar v'shamar b'dibur echad. In every word and everything, you need to remember and protect the echad within it, the oneness. So he says, the fire that comes from echad, from this awareness of echad, from the, the visceral experience of echad, this creates an ash. This creates a fire. And I bake my bread in this fire. I bake my Torah in this fire. In this complete longing for dveikas, for oneness. With no separation. That's va'afu eser nashem lachbechem betanur echad. All the ten koiches bake the bread in the oven, in the fire that comes from echad, from oneness. That's the brach in that, that posik. So therefore we come back, v'chisikraf. When you want to get close, mincha mafetanur, you got to get your mincha into the oven. You got to bake it with the fire that comes from echad. What do you want to ask? Well, the Jew is learning Torah. The, the bread is a metaphor for Torah, as we said in the beginning of the Maimer. So the Jew is learning Torah, right? And bread is a metaphor for Torah. However, what does it mean? You take the bread and you bake it in the oven. What does it mean you bake the bread in the oven? It means that this is a type of Torah that is experienced and learned through a Jew who creates this type of fire, who has this type of oven. The Torah 
is baked, so to speak. <laughs> it's it's prepared, it's 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 molded, it's fashioned. Right? It becomes edible in the life of a Jew who's on fire. The Torah doesn't have to cease to exist. Torah is divine. Torah is Hashem's Chachma. It doesn't have to cease to exist. <laughs> Just like in Bittal, God doesn't have to cease to exist. It's the separateness that ceases to exist. You understand? Yeah, thank you. No question, Warren. Yeah. Is Hasidus compared to fire or to water? Both. Ein Mayim el Torah is compared to water, but Bakamadaf Yudzayan, there's the element of Torah, and then Torah is also fire. It says, Dvar Hashem, Rashi brings from Yirmi, Haloi Koi Dvarai Ka'esh Na'um Hashem. My words are like fire. So we compare Torah to water, we compare Torah to fire. Just like we compare Torah to bread. There's the aspect of Torah that's water, the aspect of Torah that's fire. But this is a moira dekevart from the Baal Shem, to Hashem that when it comes to a relationship with infinity, there has to come a point where I'm not a bystander, where I'm not a tourist, where I'm not a spectator, where I'm not a fan. With fire, either you stand afar, and that's okay, but if you want to get the fire, if you want to touch the fire, you have to be ready to go in. Got to be ready to go in. <laughs> And, and there's no, and then there's no, there's no separateness anymore. This is how the Baal Shem Tev understood Hashem That's what Alter Rebbe is explaining here. There's Ava Kamayim and Ava Ka'esh. There's kneading and then there's baking. And also, if Yehuda is compared to Bittel, why If Yehuda is Bittel, why he's not called a tzaddik? Why Yosef is called a tzaddik? Well, Yosef was tested with a. Well, it says in Zoya that because Yosef had a, such a tremendous test, in terms of the bris, ois bris kodesh, and he 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 passed it with flying colors. So somebody who passes such a test with flying colors gets the title tzaddik. Gets the title tzaddik. Okay. The Alter Rebbe now introduces another incredible idea about what baking is. Let's see what he says. The Alter Rebbe says now. There's another element of baking. I have to tell you that the next piece in this mimer is, if I can express myself this way, is something, something out of this world, special. We are now on the top of page 80, the second column. Actually, in the bottom, the first column, where are we holding? Uh, Muslim, what's Muslim? Yeah. The first line, page 80, column 2. The last word on the first line. Va'oidzois. Va'oidzois, ibchina safiyah. There's another element of baking. Listen to this. Kamashakosov, it says by Yosef, by Yemahir Yosef, kinichmeru rachamov el ochiv. You remember Binyamin comes to Yosef? You remember that scene? It's an incredible scene. Yosef hasn't seen his baby brother in 22 years. And they bring down Binyamin after all the negotiations and the heartache and the pain. And Binyamin comes and Yosef sees Binyamin. And it says that Yosef, Vayimahir Yosef, Yosef run, he hastens, he, he rushes to go into hiding, to, 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 to go into seclusion. Because his compassion is triggered, it's, it's fired up towards his brother. What does it mean, nichmeru? Miloshin michmar psara. 
Shuloshin Chamimos. His flesh gets warmed up. Michmar Psara means, it's an expression in Aramaic, in Meseches Psachim, Daf Nun Ches. Michmar Psara. The flesh is fired. It's warm. You know when you have this very powerful, warm feeling of passion and ecstasy and love. So Yosef's whole body gets so warmed up, it gets so excited from this longing to his baby brother. There's such a powerful feeling. It's like a mother, a father, a brother you haven't seen your sibling, your child in so many years. And he sees Binyamin, who he loved so much. It's his only full brother from Rachel. His compassion is so warm, it's so fired up. All compassion comes from warmth. The Pasuk says in Tehillim, Tehillim Lama Test, Cham Libi Bikirbi, my heart is warm inside of me. Vahagigi Tivar Eish, Tibarti Belashaini. Cham Libi Bikirbi, my heart is so warm in me. Inside of me, a fire burns. And then I speak, Tibarti Belashaini. Somebody once told me, Cham Libi Bikirbi, Vahagigi Tivar Eish, Tibarti Belashaini, acronym Chabad. Ches, cham libi bekerbi. Beis, bahagigi tivarej, dalad, dibarti belashani, this is Tehillim, lama tes dalad, verse 39, uh, chapter 39 in Tehillim, verse 4. That's the real Chabad. Cham libi bekerbi, your heart has to be on fire. Warmth, varam, bahagigi tivarej, inside is a fire. Dibarti belashani, and that's how you speak. So therefore, the Alter Rebbe says, Rachmanis comes from a tremendous sense of warmth. So, Nichmeru Rachmav means his compassion was on fire. His compassion was warmed up. It's like when somebody's flesh becomes warm. That's what Rashi explains over there. It's like when your heart becomes so warmed up, it gets so moved, it's so emotional. So, the Alter Rebbe says, this is another element of baking, as we will see. All the Jews are called by the name of Yosef. Like the Pasuk says in Tehillim, capital pay. Tehillim chapter 80. The shepherd of Israel. Listen to us. The one who leads the flock. The flock, which is identified as Yosef. The Jewish people are called Yosef, as Rashi says over there. We are all called Yosef. We all have the name of Yosef. And as a Jew who was defined by Yosef, we arouse ourselves with deep compassion towards our brother Binyamin. And Binyamin was called Binyamin. Why did Rachel name him Binyamin? Ben Oini, the child of my pain. That's Binyamin. Ben Yamin. Rachel called him Binyamin because Ben Oini. She called him Ben Oini. Yaakov gave the name Binyamin. Rachel gave the name Ben Oini, the child of my pain. Literally, it's because this child was born with, with amidst such powerful birth pangs to the point that Rachel did not survive the childbirth. So he's called Ben Oini, the child of my pain. The Alter Rebbe says this is symbolic of what Yosef is feeling compassion for. This means to be a master of reckoning. To consider and to make a reckoning with my soul. How my soul, which is divine infinity, descended. And descended into a very low space. 
every person according to how he is aware about his own soul, and to feel compassion for the divine spark that is in your soul. Wow. This is the compassion that Yosef feels for Binyamin. Again, Yosef is a representative of every single Jew because Yosef is the one who fed the Jewish people. He gave us life. He sustained us. So we're all called Yosef because he's like represents all of us. He saved our lives. Yosef represents the Jew. Yosef sees Binyamin and Yosef's body and Yosef's heart is aroused with profound rachim, with profound compassion. What does this mean? Because of Ben Oini, because there's so much pain here. What's the pain? The pain is that every single soul faces the trauma of descending from a place of absolute divine infinity into an abyss. And that's even in the most functional and wholesome home, even at Tzaddik. The soul went through such a powerful descent that every person just needs to have compassion for their soul and compassion for the godliness of your soul because your soul is divine. And now he says every person has it in a different way because every person knows who they are. So if I look at myself and I see that I'm experiencing various obstacles and setbacks, I'm dealing with skeletons and demons, I'm dealing with fears and insecurities, I'm dealing with profound traumas. The Alter Rebbe says, can you just have compassion? Because really what you are at your core is pure divinity, pure infinity, pure infinite love, pure infinite possibility. You're a chelikilikami mal mamish. But this, this purity comes down and it goes through so many tribulations and the roller coaster of life and all of the fluctuations and vicissitudes of life. In the tragedy we call life, facing life in a real way is facing a very profound, painful trauma. Wherever you are in the scope of things. That warrants compassion, not judgment, but compassion. Simply midas harachimim, this is what Yosef, he sees Binyamin, and his heart is filled with compassion. He says, every person needs to experience this. To be able to have compassion for everything my soul went through in life. And to have compassion for the godliness that went through all of this. And what does Yosef do next? Vayovay hachadra vayev kshama. Yosef goes into a private room and that's where he cries. He doesn't want to cry in front of his brothers. The literal reason is he doesn't want them to know that he's Yosef. What does this mean spiritually? The Pasuk says in Yermia, my soul weeps in hiddenness. In the inner chambers of my heart, there's a deep sense of grief. There's a deep sense of compassion. There's a deep sense of tears in the hidden chambers of my heart. And then what does Yosef do? You remember the story? He contains himself. He holds himself back. He doesn't show how sad, how, how, how emotional he is. He comes out and he says, let's break bread. Zuhatayra. Bread is tighter. Kitzarich lias shneim because you need both. Chedvet chedvet kubeli boy mesitre dachuli. Expression of the zayar. Joy is etched in my heart on one side, and tears are etched in my heart on the other side. So he says, this is the paradox that Yosef teaches us. Yosef goes into a private room and he sobs for his brother. 
And he sobs for himself. 22 years, his brother hasn't seen him. He hasn't seen his brother. It brings up all the pain of the separation. All the trauma of what happened to him. Everything he's been through, Yaakov has been through, Binyamin has been through, the whole family has been through. But that he does privately. He comes out, wipes his tears away. Vayisapek, holds himself tight back, holds himself strong. and let's eat. Tells Dal Rebbe, what's this? He says, we live in two planes. One part of me, my inner heart, is always feeling that compassion. I'm aware of that pain, and I can cry for that pain, I can grieve for that pain. It's very deep pain, it's the pain of the Shechina, it's the pain of the divine energy, the divine spark that's in my soul and goes through everything I go through. But he says, don't just live in grief and tears and compassion. Another side of you has to say, okay, let's go learn. Zuatayra. Because this is a source of healing. Some people become addicted to grief. They become addicted to feeling bad for themselves. And that's a form of victimhood. Yes, feel the pain. But now it's time to bring out the bread. What's bread? The bread is tired. And al Rebbe says both, both are very genuine things. Our heart has different dimensions. There's joy etched in one part of my heart, and there's tears etched in another part of my heart. That's why it says Yosef came into a private chamber and he cried there. Shama Daikin. Over there he cried. You can't allow the tears to take over your whole life. Wherever you are, you're crying. Wherever you are, you're feeling compassion for the descent of the soul. Yes, it's something very, very deep. But you have to be able to realize that life is not just about compassion for all of the tragedies, all of the trauma. But there's something right now I can do in order to choose connection, to choose dveikas, to choose oneness. And that is, simulechem, let's eat bread. This is the paradox with which the spiritual person lives, with which the sensitive person lives. At the same moment, there's that private chamber where there's a lot of tears. There's, yeah, yeah, there's a private chamber. There's an inner, uh, one second, one second. There's an inner space where there's a lot of tears, where there's a lot of compassion, where I cry for Ben Oini, for the child of my distress, for all of everything my soul and my body went through, because my soul is a chelik mal. And it has in it the nitzutz of elikus, and it all. It's, I'm crying even for the, crying for the shechina as well. Like we learned on Tuesday, we did seven teachings of the Baal Shem Tov. One of them is that when I daven, it's not just personal. I'm davening for me, my children. I'm davening for the shechina. You're davening for your child. You're davening for Hashem. You're davening for your health. You're davening for Hashem because we are a manifestation of the shechina. When you're missing something, the shechina is missing something. It's not just personal. It's my thing. It's my need. It's my. <clears throat> You're actually praying for God. It's not personal. You're a messenger of God. Very powerful stuff. Comes Dal Rebbe here and says, yes, there's a deep space where that compassion is very, very profound. And that's where Yosef's soul is so warmed. Because Rahmanus always comes from a place of warmth, from a place of connection, of being sensitive and empathetic to what you're going through, what the other person is going through, and simply having compassion. It's not about a solution. It's just to experience what is happening in a very sobering and authentic and compassionate way without judgment. 
And that always comes from warmth. It's a beautiful expression here in this moment. Rachmanus comes from a sense of warmth. Not of judgment. You can't have compassion when you're judging. You can have compassion when you're feeling, when you're warm, when you're warm to somebody, when you're warm to yourself. Yosef was warmed up. His entire body was warmed up. His heart, his compassion was warm. And he had to go into a room and cry. And then he comes out and says, let's eat bread. And the Alter Rebbe says, this is an allegory for life. There's that part of me that cries for Binyamin. It feels the pain of Binyamin, the child of distress, which is me. There's Binyamin inside of me. And the Yosef inside of me could cry for the Binyamin inside of me, Ben Oini, the child of my pain. And that's in a very deep place, and beyond what other people might recognize. Sometimes these tears are very open. I could cry in front of people, I could cry in front of my friend, I can cry in front of myself, in front of my spouse, in front of God, in front of my therapist, in front of my teacher, in front of my confidants, or in public. But the point is, this is in a very deep, deep place in a person. And simultaneously, the person could contain themselves and say, and now let me do things, let me live a life that promotes connection, that promotes dveikus, Simu lechem, and that is Torah. Says Dal Terebe, Vayideze Nasis Atayrebe, Bchines Lechem Afoy Mamesh. This bakes the Torah. We spoke about baking. How do you bake something in a fire? This is the fire of Rachamim, the fire of compassion. Wow. So there's two interpretations of baking in this Maimon. One is the baking, the Eish, that causes the person to completely experience oneness. I go out of my mitzvahs. I don't want to find myself in you. I want to lose myself in you. <laughs> I want the eye to cease to be an eye that's separate. The Torah is baked in that vacas, in that passion, in that fire. The Alter Rebbe says, but baking is also something else. Baking represents the fire of rachamim, the fire of compassion for the pain. And it's fascinating that these are his two interpretations of baking, because at the surface they seem paradoxical. First interpretation is about you completely subsume. The second interpretation is you're feeling compassion for the pain. But those are both true elements in a person. Because I want to be completely subsumed, and yet there is the distress, there is the pain, there's the trauma that separates me. And I have to be able to have compassion for that. And now my Torah is baked. If you don't have this warmth, if I don't have this warmth, this rachamim, there's no fire that's going to bake my Torah. And what happens when the Torah is baked? Shenivla in the Malka. Now, baked Torah, you can eat. Who else can eat it? It becomes absorbed in God, in Hashem's limbs. Just like when something is baked, it's edible for me. When the Torah is baked, it's so to speak edible for Hashem. What do we mean? When the Torah is baked, now it could be eaten both by man and by God, so to speak. Meaning, it becomes part of Hashem's bloodstream. It's absorbed in the limbs of the king. It's completely one with Ein Saif. It's not a separate Torah anymore. In the beginning of the Maimur, he asked, Torah, how can Torah make you one? Lishtava begufa the Malka, Torah itself has descended. But he said, but you planted the Torah. And you grinded the Torah. And you kneaded the Torah. And you baked the Torah. You planted the Torah. You grinded the Torah. You bake, you kneaded the Torah. You baked the Torah. 
Now it's baked bread. Now it's edible. Now it's part of Ein Saif. And you know what happens? And when I absorb this Torah, also, it's baked. Now it's edible for me. It's completely absorbed in the limbs of my nefesh alikis. It becomes completely one with me. And it's one with Ein Soif. So now the person is completely one with Ein Soif. This is the Dveikas with Hashem that happens through Torah, the way the Alter Rebbe describes it, which is unprecedented and unlike any other Dveikas in the world. You know, I should just say in parentheses, you know, people accused Hasidim and the Alter Rebbe, Chabad, not cherishing Torah. You look at this Maimer and you see how he describes that even the neshama itself is a yesh, the ultimate vekus lishtava begufa the malka to become one mamish with ein soif, where we become Hashem's rayosi, my shepherd. We sustain and we become His food. In other words, we cease to be separate. Happens through Torah. I Torah also descends into the physical world. This is the whole maimer. You have to plant the Torah. You have to grind the Torah. You have to knead the Torah. You have to bake the Torah. Now it's edible. Now it's one with Ein Saif. The physical Torah down here is Mamish Ein Saif itself. It's the seed. It's Ein Saif. And it's the seed that was planted. And it's the seed that was grinded. And it's the seed that was kneaded. It's the seed that was baked. And then it's absorbed in me. Edible bread. It's absorbed in me. It becomes one with me. So me and the Ein Saif have the deepest fusion. And here we really see the synthesis. You see, the Alter Rebbe they used to call the Litvak. In the Litvak, by the Litvak, the Vilna Gan and the whole Litta, the main thing was learning, 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 learning. And they scorned the Hasidim who focused a lot on davening and simcha and dancing and celebration of life and elevated the status of, of, of different types of Jews, etc., etc. You see the Alter Rebbe, you see that extraordinary synthesis between these two worlds by going to a much deeper place, by going to the Pneumius. So he explains that real ultimate Vekas is through Torah. But he's explained to you what Torah is. Don't just look at the Torah from a superficial perspective, from a Gashmizdik perspective, as an intellectual pursuit. Don't look at the Torah as something that's a tool of arrogance. But don't even look at the Torah simply as an intellectual pursuit of learning physical things. You have to take the Torah and plant it and grind it and knead it and bake it, so to speak. It's not that the Torah needs it, it's that we need it in order to reveal what Torah is. I should just clarify that. So now the Torah becomes an expression of Ein Saif. And once you look to Torah that way, it's the deepest Vekas. And then the Torah doesn't separate you from people. Torah doesn't separate you from Simcha. Torah doesn't separate you from seeing the godliness in every person and in everything. Wow. Okay. We'll take a break here. And uh, we're going to finish the Maimer Be'ezer Hashem. Be'ezer Hashem will finish the Maimer Sunday morning because I want to finish the Maimer before Shavuos. So Sunday morning, we will finish this Maimer. It's going to be Sunday morning at 8 o'clock a.m. And Be'ezer Hashem will finish. Should I take some questions? What's the best way to characterize the relation between the written material that anyone can be taught as Torah and the real inner essence that has to be learned through labor and inner effort. Listen, every aspect of Torah has infinite layers. And, you know, Chumash, is a, the Rebbe Rashab once said, 
about Chumash. He says, everybody learns that the greatest, you know, the greatest sage and the simplest, uh, the youngest child, everybody understands something. Nobody understands everything. You said the expression to be or to be not. I thought Shakespeare said to be or not to be. Yes, that was a spin. Instead of saying to be or not to be, I was saying to be or to be not. And that's the difference. Can you explain when you said, when you said it, be or be not? Can you elaborate that, those differences? Yeah. To be or not to be, <laughs> to be or not to be is to be or not to be. <laughs> what we were talking about is not to be or not to be. It's to be or to be not. <laughs> to be in a state of not. And that's the difference of Ava Kamayim and Ava Ka'esh. Ava Kamayim is to be. I want to be connected. And Ava Ka'esh is, I want to be not. I don't want to find myself in you. I want to lose myself in you. It was just, uh, it was just using the pun to bring out the point. You don't have to fartiv, you don't have to fartivzich so much in it, huh? Yeah. Next question. No, because he's talking about how Yosef is crying for Binyamin. Yosef sees Binyamin and he's crying for him and he goes into a room and he cries there and then he holds, he contains himself and he comes out and he says, let's break bread. Well, Rashi says something very special and that is that, you know, Yosef asked Binyamin, you know, how many children he has and Binyamin said that he has 10 children and he asked him for the names, and Binyamin told him the names, and they were all named because of Yosef. So basically what happens is, the brothers come back with Binyamin, and uh, Yosef recognizes him, and it's very, very emotional for him. And he wants to cry, but he doesn't want to cry in front of them. So it says, He goes into a private room, and that's where he cries. And he's rushing because his, 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 he feels so much compassion and so much warmth and so much empathy and so much pain. And he really wants to cry. So he goes into a private room and he cries. And what happens afterwards is, it says he washes his face. He washes his face. He comes out by his apic. He contains himself and he says, okay, let's eat bread together. And that's when they have a meal together and Yosef sets them up around the table and it says that they drank and they became inebriated. As Rashi says, from the day that they sold them, they did not drink. So for 22 years, they have not had a drink. They didn't have a l'chaim. And this was the first time. So it was a very, very special moment. But what we see from here is that you have this duality where he's crying in his room and then he washes his face. He comes out and he says, now let's eat bread. Eating bread is a mushal for Torah. Stalter Rebbe says, both exist. When you eat bread after you cry in the room, it's baked bread. <laughs> because rachamim is the baking. Rachamim is the baking. Yosef's rachamim on binyamin is the prerequisite the introduction to learning. Learning is eating the bread, but the bread first has to be baked in midas rachamim. And that's the midas rachamim that Yosef has on binyamin. When the Torah is permeated with that compassion, with that warm feeling of, of afia, when you have that fire burning, the compassion for all the pain that exists in your soul, all the pain that exists in your life, in the lo- life of your loved ones, in the life of the world, when you could really feel that pain, you can ex- just experience it and have compassion for it. And on the nitzotzelikus in your soul, now the bread is baked. Now the Torah 
is a Torah that will really connect you with the Ein Saif. It's a Torah that can be absorbed inside of you because it's baked. It becomes part of you. And it's a Torah that becomes completely part of the Ein Saif. It's absorbed in the Ein Saif. That's what happens. And that Torah, that Torah is the baked bread. And don't just stay in the grief. Don't just stay in the compassion. Translate it into, translate it into, into the learning of Torah. No, no, in this Mimer, in this Mimer, he clearly says that Tefillah is an introduction to Torah. There's obviously there's Milus and Tefillah over Torah, but there's Milus in, 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 in Torah over Tefillah. In this Mimer, uh, uh, Tefillah is the intro to Torah. There's many things in which Torah is greater. Everybody have a wonderful day and a wonderful Shabbos and Hatzloch and everything with Torah We should hear good news from our brothers and sisters in Eretz Yisrael, and uh, sending my love to all of you to have a beautiful, amazing, inspiring day filled with the energy of planting and grinding and kneading and baking. Betaner Echad. To be baked in the fire of oneness and to be baked in the fire of compassion. Thank you, Rabbi. Amazing. You understood you. everything? Oh, amazing. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is a, this is an incredible, incredible mimer. The truth is like this. To, to rate a mimer is really it's uh, it's mamish. It, it, it's it's like it's like rating infinity, you know, start rating ain't yeah. it's not but yeah. fart, but fart, you know. Uh, 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 but fart, you see that, you know, sometimes the truth is that sometimes the mime that you're learning is the most incredible one. <laughs> I once heard from the Lubavitcher Rebbe of Abrengen, he said once something very interesting. He said, you see an interesting contradiction in works of Musr and Ashkafa and Chsidis and Machshava and Halacha, which every yomtiv they talk about, it becomes the most important yomtiv in Yiddishkeit. If you're talking about Pesach, there's nothing greater than Pesach. Pesach, Pesach, Pesach. Sukkahs? Sukkahs! Rosh Hashanah? Oh, Rosh Hashanah is everything. Yom Kippur? Everything. Hanukkah? The deepest. Purim! Purim is above everything. It's greater than Yom Kippur. Shavuos? Psst. Torah. He says, which one is it? Which one is it? Every Yom Tov, that Yom Tov becomes the greatest. And he said something so beautiful. He says, when you're in that Yom Tif, that is the greatest Yom Tif. Because when you're in that experience, this is the Shar, this is the portal through which you connect to truth. So when you're in the middle of Pesach, yes, this is it. It's greater than everything. And when you're on Pur- in Purim, this is it. It's not, it's not, it's not, it's not like, it's not fiction. It's like, okay, you know, now we're here. So this is the best. This is the best. And it reminded me, if I may, my wife had a grandmother. They called her Nanny, a very special, sweet woman from Pittsburgh. So my wife told me that in her 80s, she was already an older woman, and she had a challenge with uh, with breathing and various health challenges, but she was a very spirited person. So my wife asked her once, she said, Nanny, which period of your life was the best? You know, what do you look back at as the best period? And she looked at her and with sincerity she said, whatever period I'm living, that is the best. That is the best. Now this is the best. And it's really the right approach to life. Because if this is where I am, this is it. This is the best. This is the most incredible experience.
Somebody once said, nostalgia? Eh, nostalgia today is not what it used to be like. People used to know how to be nostalgic. So and when we live only in that nostalgia, you know, we're not living in the moment. So that's why every mimer is really the most incredible mimer. <laughs> But I should say, within that itself, you see, you could sometimes there's a mimer that really, you know, it speaks to you in, in in a unique way. It's because where you are in life. So that itself, we also it's important to acknowledge that and celebrate that. Again, say that again. The bread needs what? Itself. Earth, flour, right? And it, and, it, and it needs air to uh, air. activate the yeast. To activate the yeast, you need air, and of course, you need the water. You're saying. And then you need the fire. That's beautiful. So you're saying when you bake the lechem, of course you have the fire to bake, and you have the ruach, the ear, in order to activate the the yeast. And you have, of course, the offer, the particles of flour, and you have the mayim. Beautiful. Yeah. That's a good question. That's a good question. Um, it's, a, it's a curious thing. Are quite a few people who learn through Taira Air and Lakota Taira. There's even a significant amount of people who do it every single year, meaning every parsha, they learn all the Maimorim on that parsha. <laughs> there are quite a few people like that in Chabad, so they have some basic knowledge of it, you know. Obviously, different levels, different levels of depth. And in terms of Lakota Sichis, they actually have something called Project Lakota Sichis, where people learn two Sichis a week. And over a few years, they finish all the sikhas of Lakote sikhas. So they have all these things, and quite a lot of people do it. You know, I don't know an exact number, but there's quite, uh, I would say, thousands of people who go through all these things over the years, yeah. Even people who are actually businessmen or, 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 or shluchim or, or involved in different work, you know, they're not sitting and learning all day. Um, uh, because as you know, the Rebbe very much encouraged people to get involved in outreach. You know, that was his thing. Like, uh, they asked him, you know, maybe just create a koilos. He said for a few years, yeah, everybody should go learn for a few years after the wedding, if they can, if they want to. But ultimately, if somebody has talent, he got to go out there. Become a teacher, become a rabbi, become an activist, build, you know, build communities, build a shul. But there's so much assimilation. So even such people who are quite busy, you know, with fundraising and building stuff and putting up buildings and creating community, it's not easy, you know. It's a lot of work. So, uh, but to still, there's a tremendous focus on uh, the, the Rebbe really wanted. Everybody should be very involved in learning. He was very adamant about it. He was very upset when somebody said, you know, I'm busy helping people. I can't learn. So this, therefore, they have a lot of these types of, uh, you know, just look at the Dafyaymi. So they have, Rambam and Chumash and Tanya and Lakut Sichis and Lakut Teira. So a lot of people go through this stuff. Again, you know, it's different levels and different types and different levels of understanding and etc. But there's quite a few, yeah. Read through, yeah. You know, it's hard. It's very hard. Listen, this yeah. is hard stuff. It's it's. Oh yeah. It's hard stuff. Okay, I'll see you. Good shot. Good Shabbos. Good Good this class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.